Welcome back to another episode of Muslim Medium. This episode is called Ramadan Ready and it's all about preparing for Ramadan. So last time we had a riddle which was Leave me and you will never find the treasure. Use me and you will attain Allah's pleasure. What am I? And the answer is the Quran. Oh yeah, right, that makes sense. Nice, let's get into our first segment. Well, that's news to me. This month, we are pleased to hear that the UN leaders actually spoke out against Islamophobia and anti-Muslim hatred. So within the international charity sector, Islamophobic hate crime is rarely acknowledged as an important issue to tackle. So this is a really great start, alhamdulillah. Go UN, well done. Yeah, alhamdulillah. The UN Secretary General, Antonio Guterres, actually cited a recent report which found that suspicion, discrimination and outright hatred towards Muslims has risen to epidemic proportions. He explained to the UN Human Rights Council that they must continue to push for policies that fully respect human rights and religious, cultural and unique human identity. Secondly, we mentioned in episode one that a UK school actually suspended Siham, a Muslim girl, because her skirt was too long. And just to follow up from that story, can you believe that afterwards the school threatened her family with legal action? God. However, three months later, we are relieved to hear that the school has reversed its decision, issued an apology and given Siham her due rights to practice her faith by wearing an ankle length skirt as part of a school uniform. Alhamdulillah. So glad to hear that, Alhamdulillah. The UK actually broke the daily vaccine record for the second day in a row. And in the lead up to Ramadan, we're pleased to hear that mosques across the country are playing their part to vaccinate and dispel misinformation amongst their congregations. For example, South Manchester Mosque actually vaccinated over 100 people outside their masjid, mashallah tabarakallah. Yeah, mashallah tabarakallah. Big up South Manchester Mosque. Yeah, well done, guys. Another great win in the news this month is that a Muslim climate activist has won a seat in the Dutch parliament. Moroccan-Dutch politician Golfer Bouchalikt will represent the Green Left Party in Parliament, despite facing what her supporters called an Islamophobic and racist campaign against her election bid. A December open letter signed by dozens of British politicians, civil society organisers and academics have criticised the racist and Islamophobic treatment she received. So now we've actually got a funny story for you guys. We heard in the news recently that a wedding was actually called off over a biryani choice <laughs> oh my gosh and we didn't we didn't believe it was real when we first heard it yeah even the police were aware of the incident and it's something they hadn't seen before the police yeah whoa <laughs> for any of our non-south asian listeners biryani is a mixed rice dish which originates from the indian subcontinent um, it's made of different spices it's really brightly colored it has meat and it also has sometimes vegetables and potatoes too and it's a really popular dish yeah and it tastes delicious <laughs> yeah nothing can really top it except raita ah <laughs> raita's a yogurt that we put on top of biryani i didn't realize this but biryani debates can get really heated we were <laughs> discussing this with our family and it seems like such a trivial thing but people are really passionate about it hashtag biryani wars yeah if biryani was marvel civil war sides captain america would be chicken and iron man would be mutton love that oh man all this talk about biryani is making me want some yeah same We took to Instagram to do a poll over whether people preferred mutton or chicken biryani and the results are in. 67% said chicken and 33% said mutton. So take that. (laughs) No, we're we're on the side of chicken, um, obviously, because chicken's the best. But I mean, shout out to all our family members who who believe in mutton. Um, Yeah, they outnumbered us, by the way, on that. They outnumbered us, for sure. So there's a real mix (laughs) So yeah, let us know which one you prefer. Do you prefer chicken or mutton? And what are your thoughts? Is this something that is worth ending a wedding over? <laughs> that, to be fair to the couple, the reasoning why the, the families ended up breaking off was because 
they realised that if they were fighting over something as trivial as biryani, you know, God knows what it would be like in the future when they're fighting about big things. So, fair enough. Yeah, that's true. I mean, no disrespect to those families whatsoever. It's just a funny story to share because we all love biryani here. And most people have a strong opinion on biryani. And it kind of relates to Ramadan as well, because we often think Ramadan is all about dar and seri, what we're going to (laughs) eat. And it's not about that. Many people don't even have the privilege around the world to even have the choice between mutton or chicken biryani. They'd be happy to receive any food at all. Yeah, that's right. So now we're going to draw attention to some important causes to help others in need. Injustice and poverty are rife all around the world, and especially in Muslim countries. Since Ramadan is the best time for reflection and giving charity for the sake of Allah, we want to remind you of several places where many are in need of your support right now. Inshallah, this Ramadan, we hope that you'll be able to donate to charities supporting these people in need. Horrific human rights abuses and concentration camps in China have forced the Uyghur refugees to flee the country, and now they face unstable conditions with no guaranteed accommodation, work or support. The crisis in Syria has been ongoing for around 10 years now. The hardship and suffering upon millions of people have left so many people in need of humanitarian aid. The people of Gaza are having to deal with continuous nights of airstrikes due to ongoing conflict. This has damaged their economy and caused political instability. Because of the blockades, a third of the people in Palestine live below the poverty line. In Yemen, starvation and cholera are man-made and can be prevented. Families have endured years of famine, cholera and war, and COVID-19 has only escalated their hardships. Due to the curfew in Indian-administered Kashmir, Kashmiri families have been trapped in their homes for weeks without being able to buy more food. So, inshallah, please do donate to all of these causes. Now we'll be moving on to our next segment, Student Life. I'm a student. Get me out of here! For this segment, we wanted to talk about the struggles of fasting while also having to balance exams and revising in the process. So as someone who's had to fast during most of my GCSEs, my A-levels, and now my university exams also, I can totally understand the struggles. I actually have an exam this year that takes place on Eid and it gets released in the last 10 days of Ramadan. So it's kind of annoying. And I know a lot of students around this time are facing the same thing and find it difficult to balance fasting and studying as schools and universities often don't accommodate or take account the circumstances and religious obligations for Muslim students. I know it can be really hard to fast while studying, but here's the good news. Allah will put more barakah in your studies and support you more if you do fulfill your religious obligations during Ramadan i.e. fasting is compulsory once you reach the age of puberty or maturity and this is a true test of your determination, faith and belief. Yeah, at the end of the day you have to ask yourself these two questions and answer them truthfully and honestly. Which test is more important for you to pass? The one your teacher sets you or the one Allah sets you? Of course they're both important and I'm not telling you that your dunya exams don't matter because they do. I'm just trying to make the point that you need to prioritise your values. You shouldn't give up on the real test Allah has given you because it is more important. The second question you'd have to ask yourself is, would Allah want bad or difficulty for you? And the answer is no. Of course not. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes fasting easy for the believers, especially during the month of Ramadan. So if you're thinking to yourself, fasting is just not for me, or I can't really do it, Just think again and put your faith and trust in Allah because Allah has prescribed fasting for all believers in this holy month and because he knows that we can take it. After all, Allah doesn't burden the people with a test more than they can bear and you have to trust in him because he has the power to make you pass both your dunya and your akhira exams, inshallah. Yeah, inshallah. We actually have some student survival tips on how to get through exam season during Ramadan. So the first one is to make a pure intention and clarify your reasons for your studies. Even studying can be an act of abada and worship if you make the right intention. It's important to think about your purpose for studying in the first place. For example, you may have the intention of studying so that you can get a degree, get a halal good job, so that you can get a pure source of income, so that you can one day provide for and support your family and work in a field that will help benefit the Muslim community or make the world at large a better place. 
second tip is to redo the laws for studying and ask Allah for help and guidance. So once you've made your intention, remember to redo the laws before you start studying. And there are specific du'as for students that are specifically designed to help you study and ease your anxieties and also help increase your memory. All knowledge comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he has actually commanded us as Muslims to learn about the world he has created so that we can reflect on his magnitude and his power, subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, if you're studying science, reflect on how Allah has created the human body, plants and animals in such perfect forms and gives them sustenance, e.g. antibodies in the blood to restore your health. If you're studying the humanities, study the meaning that exists all around us and look at how Allah has diversified people and societies. If you're studying maths, think about how the world is made up of equations and formulas, and this is even reflected in the world around us, e.g. the Fibonacci sequence. There are so many ways you can understand and apply your subject through the lens of Islam. Our third tip is to call upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala using his 99 names and to do lots of dhikr. Allah has many names for a reason. We should use them to call upon him and ask specifically for his help when we are making du'as. These names in particular will help you when you're studying. I remember when I was really stressed back in the day doing exams, someone very dear to me reminded me to use Allah's names and I've been using them ever since and they've really, really helped. So one of Allah's names is Al-Fattah, the opener. So you could make du'a by saying, Al-Fattah, you are the opener of the doors of success. So please open up the doors of success for me during my exam. Another name is Al-Halik, the creator. So you could say during your du'a, Al-Halik, you are the all-knowing creator and you make the impossible possible. Please grant us the knowledge we need in our exams. Another name is Al-Hadi, the ultimate guide. And you could say this in your du'a by saying, Al-Hadi, you are the ultimate guide. So please guide our pens and our exams towards the right answers. And there's so many more to choose from. So remember to read your 99 names, work hard, pray hard, and play hard. Remember the Prophet Muhammad taught us to tie your camel first and then have faith in Allah. And in the Quran it's mentioned that indeed Allah will not change the condition of a people until they change what is in themselves. You need to still put the effort into working hard if you want to get good results. Yeah, I think the best thing to do is to draw out your schedule and make time for studying around your prayers and religious obligations. Trust me, you'll find there's so much more barakah in your time if you do this. Personally, I find working and studying after Fajr time is the most beneficial for getting the most revision time in, and it's also actually sunnah to do this, to start your day after Fajr. Also, another good thing is to make smart targets. Smart targets are specific, measurable, achievable, reliable, and time-sensitive targets. Yeah, it's really helpful to write down your goals in a planner or in a book, just so you have them written down and you can hold yourself to account. For those who work better in study groups or in libraries, but you can't go to them anymore because they're closed, don't be bogged down by lockdown restrictions. Have Zoom study sessions instead with all your friends. I know some people at my university have made online study hubs and that's really, really helped them just to have, you know, like a friendly face who's also working at the same time as you. So if that's something that interests you, talk to your friends and definitely set that up, inshallah. We really hope you follow these tips and don't give up on fasting, even if you have exams. And inshallah, Allah will help you through even the toughest of times. I also think that it's a lot easier than most people think from, from the offset, it seems very daunting, but actually Allah makes it a lot easier for us, especially in Ramadan. And from my own experience, I felt like revising while fasting is actually quite useful because you could spend more time doing revision and not really wasting your time on cooking or eating or watching TV or eating, you know, and Allah will reward you more for that. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easy for all of us Muslim students who are revising while fasting. May he put barakah on our time, may he shower us with lots of blessings and rewards, and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us to pass all our tests with flying colours, both in this life and the next. Ameen. Ameen. Now it's time for our Muslim TikTok of the month. This time we have a TikTok from Gari Blerim. Okay, so there's two guys walking in the desert. One guy's name is Mark, and one guy's name is John. So these guys, they're walking in the desert for a while, and they're very tired and hungry. And so they end up spotting a town in the distance. And as they got closer, they saw there was a masjid there. 
So John said to Mark, let's change our names to Muslim names because they might not help us if uh, we, they see that we're not Muslim. And Mark said, no, let's just keep our names, they'll help us anyway. So when they got to the masjid, a man came to them and said, hello, how can I help you? And they both said to him, we are very tired and hungry. We've been walking in the desert for a long time and we're very tired, so can you help us out? So the men asked them their names. So John said, my name is Muhammad. And Mark said, my name is Mark. So the men said to Mark, okay, I can help you out and I can get someone to give you some food and some clothes. And as for you, Muhammad, Ramadan Mubarak. <laughs> Let me know if you got the joke in the comments. Now for our next segment, which is Drop the Mic. For our next segment on Drop the Mic, we have a really cool spoken word poem by Uthman Abdul Ghani, who goes by It's Uthman, and it's called Lockdown Ramadan. Yep, Uthman is a public figure, part-time entertainer, and a spoken word artist. He has a YouTube channel called It's Uthman, spelled O-T-H-M-A-N, and he's recently co-wrote a short film called The Plot, so check it out. Mashallah the Barakalai is doing some really great work. Now time for the poem. Three, two, one, go! This isolation's got me mentally drained. Like, nothing really makes sense in my brain. I feel like I'm on the brink of going insane. I'm trying to put down all my thoughts on how to reach fame. But at the end of the day, we're all going to be buried in our own grave. Yet we're fighting to get a pay raise. And yet we complain about how low is our minimum wage. Like really, like really, I don't even know. Feeling like a prisoner in my own home. I just want to go to the mosque and pray two rakats. My heart still bleeds, but it's only Juma when I open the Quran. See, what's kind of mad is that I know the end is coming. But my deen is still weak, like what is happening? And now Ramadan is here, I want to feel bliss. But we are locked down and I'm watching everybody hates Chris. And you know how mad that is. Because even in a bliss for month is still sinning and then we wonder why in the world we ain't winning so let me just open up my pad and really get to thinking because the overrated finish is only the beginning of the inning because we've been locked in for a while now shaitan just got locked up because smile now it's a bit ironic though because everything is locked off and now people get hesitant if you <coughs> Cause I'm out here with my thoughts, listening to A Boogie Bopping to Fateh cause his songs relate to me Cause when you ain't got no real love it ain't easy Man I'm actually so lost, Allah please help me So you really know what I'm actually talking about It's kinda mad we got the Quran but no one's listening now And I'm a victim of this too Trying to work it out, trying to really get through Instead of longing out my Fajr prayer I'm longing out my sleep Instead of making dua on my knees I'm thinking it ain't deep so this is what needs to change the lockdown in ramadan is our claim to fame to be among one of the greats where we pray our salah give zakat and make mad dua because we are only slaves to allah so pray for me and i'll pray for you too try and change before your time is overdue you're wondering why you're depressed and i'm wondering why that too but maybe it's because you've been led astray by culture the world and a bit of social media too 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 Allahumma taqabbal siyamina wa khiyamina wa raku'una wa sajoodina Allahumma innaka a'fu wa antuhibbu al-a'fu wa fa'fu anna la ilaha illa anta subhanaka inni kuntu min al-zalimin arhamni ya Allah arhamni arhamni birahmatika ya arham al-rahimin Ameen Ameen MashaAllah tabarakallah that was really great yeah, that was really relatable and really relevant to both Ramadan and lockdown, which are two really unique things happening together. Yeah, exactly. So thank you so much for that, Uthman. And guys, please do make sure you support his channel. It's Uthman. And on Instagram, it's I am Uthman with two N's. And now moving on to our next section, which is Jai Chats. Oh. Yay! Get yourself a cup of tea <laughs> and some chai. <laughs> tea, tea and chai. <laughs> and join us here for the next section, inshallah. Chai chats. For this episode, centred on Ramadan prep, we have the honour to be joined by a very special guest, Nawida Hayat, who is the owner of the Pilates Height Studio. She has run a free online Ramadan Pilates class in the past, to encourage joyful movement while fasting. So, without further ado, Assalamu alaikum, Nawida. Wa alaikum assalam. It's a joy to have you featured on our podcast. Uh, thank you for inviting me to chat over chai about my work as a Pilates instructor. Of course, no problem. Thank you so much for being here. So, would you like to start by introducing yourself and telling us a bit more about your work and how you got into it? My name is Nuida and I've been working in uh, Pilates as an instructor for about 
seven, eight years. Prior to that, I was an English teacher and um, mother of children, full-time mother of children as well. So what brought you to Pilates then? It's quite a big change from being an English teacher to then teaching movement. What was it about Pilates particularly that drew you to it? So what brought me to Pilates? Well, I teach in Pilates studio work, which involves equipment using pieces such as the reformer, the trapeze table or the spine corrector. One thing very um, different to yoga is that Pilates addresses alignment, posture and strength and habits, um, including how to strengthen areas of weakness, which could be anything to do with a, a weak core or lower back pain from a slip disc, uh, a hip injury, hip replacement and so on so forth. And I got into this uh, purely by accident quite a few years ago when I was suffering from major back pain myself. Oh, I'm really sorry to hear that, but I'm glad you found relief through Pilates. So what was it that inspired you to become a Pilates instructor? Always through my youth, I'd been interested in sport. Um, at school, I'd re represented my school in athletics and netball. So as a youngster, I was very active. And uh, as I grew a little bit older, in my uh, late teens and 20s, I started uh, struggling. I grew tall very quickly and I struggled with back pain, but thought not much of it and sort of just um, carried on my life, dealing with the, uh, the, the niggles as they were. Until after my children were born, the uh, pains became almost unbearable and I was seeing a lot of different osteopaths and chiropractors to resolve why my lower back hurt so much. And um, it was by... Pure coincidence that someone who lived near me, I lived in London at the time, was a Pilates instructor. She had just retired from the London School of Ballet and had set up a studio in her home. And I went along to that studio and it was set up with these amazing contraptions, springs, pulleys, hanging from the ceiling and all sorts of things. And uh, But she asked me to do something very simple. She said, uh, just do this very slight hip movement for me, please. And I tried it and I really struggled. And I said to her, look, I, I thought I'd been quite sporty my whole life and I could move quite well, even through this pain. But clearly I couldn't. And what I had was a very poor core control. And through, through working with my teacher, who, who became my good friend then, for two years, one-to-one uh, -one, on those pieces of equipment, in her studio, I, I strengthened myself. So much so that um, after two years, I really said to her, look, um, I'm, I'm very keen to share what I've learned here with others who I know are going through similar pains, whether it's posture, alignment, back pain, slip disc, anything. Um, do you think I can train? And she very kindly directed me to the uh, to the right place. So I trained with Polestar Pilates in London for two years and I um, qualified with them. And I learned uh, a lot about the repertoire for uh, Studio Pilates, which is where I teach now my studio in Buckinghamshire in the countryside. But uh, I also teach mat Pilates, which is pretty much roll out a mat and uh, start doing exercises, which include roll downs. Primarily, it's all about breathing, core control and movement, healthy movement for the spine. So we can flex it forward. We can extend it backwards. We can do lat lateral side bends. And we can move in the transverse plane by twisting and turning healthily. And that might look to you like someone who's twisting their spine while they're uh, playing tennis or golf, bending down forward while they're gardening, extending back while they're reaching up for something. And at the side bending, we do very little off, but uh, stepping out of a car is still involves sideward stepping and some of that lateral movement. So really incorporating this into people's healthy movements, my passion and my interest in getting them healthy, walking, tall, feeling aligned and balanced in their movement. Do you have any tips for keeping fit and staying active during Ramadan? And are there any specific exercises that we should all be doing? And if so, what kind? During Ramadan, I don't uh, stop teaching Pilates. And especially during the lockdown, my Pilates hasn't been face to face. It's been on Zoom. So I've been teaching the map version of Pilates, not studio equipment Pilates. And uh, and that means that I teach through through the day, albeit I limit the hours. So I'm not teaching 
many, many hours of Pilates in a day because that can be exhausting and it leaves me little time to do the Ibadah that I want to do during Ramadan. So my tips for keeping fit and staying active during Ramadan is firstly, definitely do exercise um, during Ramadan. Energy creates energy and it's that premise that I work from to say that uh, if we do something in a mindful way without overexerting ourselves, then actually the feel-good factor, the aliveness we feel from that makes us want to do more, more good. And uh, it leaves us with that really happy glow within us. So with that in mind, I try to encourage my friends and family to exercise um, a couple of hours before iftar to do a form of exercise that interests them. So it makes them feel happy, whatever that is, whether it's light tennis or a brisk walk, a long walk, even if they fancy that badminton, um, kicking a football around, a small Pilates workout, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, but primarily to feel the sense of length incorporate good breathing, um, get into the fresh air, um, get a change of uh, space and place and to avoid feeling very thirsty, try to stay out of glaring sunshine obviously and uh, go at a more gentle pace than you would normally exercise at so not really heavy aerobic workouts or um, intense football games or anything like that. Try to do an exercise that you knowing in mind that you, you're going to be eating in a couple of hours. So even if you do feel a bit hungry or thirsty afterwards, it's not long to go. And that gives you a bit of time to uh, reserve for Ibadah, reading Quran after you've exercised. So make sure that uh, you recognize that Salah is your healthy movement as well. So be mindful of the fact that you are bending at the knees, you are bending forward, you've got a straight back, you're twisting, you're turning. And bringing that attention and mindfulness to your prayer actually makes you realize that you are exercising five times a day anyway during Salah. When you're walking and during Ramadan, walk tall. Imagine you've got uh, light um, slippers on or you're walking on clouds so that lift, lifting rather than stamping your way through your footsteps and keeping that lightness will make you engage your core abdominals, pelvic floor, um, diaphragm and that sense of lift from the hips upwards. Um, mindful movement is everything in Pilates. It's all about bringing your attention to your movement so that you get um, more out of it. So you have to have fewer movements, but they're actually better for you because you're doing them with quality and control. As you've mentioned that mindful movement is important, how would you keep your energy up without burning out while fasting? During Ramadan, I try to remind myself as well as um, people I'm exercising with, especially the Muslim, that the exercise is as much food for the body as food itself that you're intaking, ingesting. When we breathe well, we're moving well, we're needing that oxygen to fire up the muscles, to keep active. Think about the intake of oxygen, the exchange of gases, and that's have, happening with millions upon billions of uh, cells within us, um, as we exercise, we need more air, we need to breathe a little bit more. And that exchange of gases, Joseph Pilates used to call it the internal shower, the cleansing, the purifying, the energizing, just like you would do with a you know, water shower. It's the internal shower, which is on a daily basis as important as the external shower. And it really does energize and refuel you. And we begin with the absolute basic unit of movement and exercise, which is breathing. Um, during Ramadan, um, I try to keep my energy up without uh, trying to burn out um, when I'm fasting by really focusing on my breath and um, making sure my breath is calm so that we can really use a lot, lose a lot of water by breathing rapidly, panting while we're running or playing a sport too hard or you know having gone out too much in the in the bright sunshine or he, or heat so calm mindful breathing really does retain water and also bring it just makes gives you a sense of well-being as well and i breathe breathing in through my nose and breathing out through your, my mouth which is the opposite of how a lot of people have um, trained themselves or thought they should be breathing so we can all take a moment and just try that keep your shoulders very still very quiet um just notice the air coming into the full rib cage, 
filling up the lungs, but not lifting the shoulders up towards the ears. So keep your shoulders very quiet and low down away from your ears. And instead, notice the lungs and the ribcage inflating into the, into the lungs, into the cavity, 360 degrees, front, back and sides. That's like you're filling up a balloon. So inhale through your nose and expand the ribcage out. Go ahead and hold some of those ribs further down. And notice them expanding into your hands. So a little press through the hands. And notice the ribs expanding into the hands. And as you breathe out, you notice the ribs coming back in like a corset being tightened. And the breath is now exhaling through your mouth. <sighs> Calmly. And this actually is a great method for calming people down who are stressed. But we use this breathing technique in exercise to get the most out of the movement. And also to engage the core. Because when you're breathing like that, you're using your diaphragm which is a key core muscle. Um, the diaphragm is connected to all your core um, abdominal muscles and deeper down into your pelvic floor, further into your inner thighs, further all the way down, connected into your inner ankles. So the connections are huge, and that's just from breathing. And I try to have a routine. That means I know which hours I'm going to be reading Quran, which hours I'm going to be teaching, which hours I'm going to be preparing food, going out for my walk, dealing with the children, etc. And so have that routine and try to stick to your 30-day routine as well. What foods would you recommend for Sari and Iftar? You notice during Ramadan your eating and drinking habits change to support your fasting. And personally, mine um, change in advance of Ramadan. So I'm giving up the caffeine and sugar so that my body isn't having those cravings during my fasts. Also, I try to drink a lot more water before I, before I start Ramadan. I'm drinking more water than I would normally do. It's a bit like watering your plants to make sure they're thoroughly watered through um, because you're going on holiday for a few days. So, you know, they're not going to dry out while you're away. But try to sip your water so that um, it really is uh, taken into the body well. During Ramadan, between Iftar and Sihri, I will be um, drinking small amounts of water. I try to avoid fizzy drinks and sugary drinks uh, so that, again, there's no sugar high and therefore a sugar low to follow. My fried foods and things like that, I avoid those as well. I'm trying to um, prepare as if I would be preparing for a triathlon or a marathon which is thinking what kind of food will sustain me, um, help me go the distance. And really you're looking for slow release energy foods. So a sihri I would have um, bananas, uh, chopped bananas, organic oats, uh, Weetabix, whole grain roti, something like that, fresh fruit, dried fruits, nuts, walnuts, cashews, dates, things like this that you might have in your cupboard already, a bowl of yogurt with some good organic honey. And... Uh, to break my fast, I would have something, you know, you're tired at the end of the day, but you want something strong and, and, and uh, nutritious as well, as well as delicious. So roti salan is my favourite. Um, some meat, but more dals and veg. Uh, I have wholemeal pasta, uh, pasta bakes, lasagna, things like that, salmon, new potatoes, uh, jacket potatoes, anything you find delicious, but just try to find a healthier version. If you're frying it, try to bake it, steam it or roast it instead with a, a good quality olive oil or something like that. I always have a salad and uh, and again, I drink plenty of water and avoid um, avoid the coffee. I have decaf tea and uh, you can always have something small and sweet and delicious, um, some matai, some chocolate, some sweet if you like, but uh, try to limit it during Ramadan. Um, with the exercise, if you are experiencing any body pains, one of the key things I say is make sure that to have the energy to do salah and everything you have to do after iftar, um, dravi, um, if you're getting up for the hajjat, then you need to have food that's not going to make you fall asleep. So try to avoid really stodgy, um, excessive food and stodgy food, knowing that you know you're going to have to eat something that's nutritious and sustain you and hopefully help you stay awake as well. And interestingly, when you do exercise, the energy you you should get should keep you awake rather than uh, make you want to fall asleep. And finally, how are you adjusting your exercises in lockdown? Are there any specific tips for at home fitness? Um, I encourage women to exercise and uh, Muslim women we don't have a reason not to exercise 
We have uh, wonderful examples in our past of women who were horse riding and, and doing archery and were excellent in their health and fitness. And we should be able to emulate that because we want our children also to be healthy and fit and strong and represent their schools and uh, and whatnot. So it is a great uh, thing to be, to be physically strong, mentally strong, spiritually strong. You can't so separate the three. This is really what you're aiming for. Um, during lockdown, fitness for some has been a challenge because of the space around them and trying to make the most of it. Um, I live in the countryside, so I've had the benefit of being able to walk into the, the hills around me in the Chilterns and uh, exercise there walking taking in the air for an hour a day but wherever you are try to get out into your local area local park um, morning air is brilliant if you can get up and get out of the house early that's fantastic but it doesn't matter what time if you do go out walk tall um, literally try to lift the crown of your head up towards the sky tuck your chin in and lengthen your spine from your tail all the way through to the skull so think about that length through the whole of the spine have your shoulder blades back your collarbones wide and open and start to think about the breathing have your arms moving so don't have your hands stuffed in your pockets or you know holding onto a, a bag or carry a bag or something like that try to have your arms free so they can counterbalance the movement of the legs and the pelvis so you want the arms gently moving by your side, taking steps, rolling through your feet rather than slamming them into the floor. So just think of that action rolling from the heel through to the toe, lifting and moving forward. And try to have that image of a, of a string drawing the crown of the head up towards the sky. So that length, every time you take a, a step forward, you're feeling height growing from the crown of the head. Similarly, when you're sitting and you're working a lot from home, you want to feel that the, the spine is sitting as tall as possible. So push your sit bones, the base of your pelvis, into the seat underneath you and feel those sit bones pressing into the seat. And that down movement creates the up movement for the spine. So the pelvis pushing down encourages the spine to lift, collarbones open, crown of the head lifting up. So automatically you can feel the, the curve in the small of the back as an indent rather than protruding out. You want the natural curves of the spine to be in the spine when you're sitting. And there's been a lot of sitting in lockdown, sitting in your homemade office at home and, and all the rest for children, adults alike. So at home, you can create space in your bedroom, your sitting room, wherever you can to do simple exercises, uh, floor exercises, lying on the floor Again, with your hands on your lower ribs, noticing the breath coming in through your nose, inflating the ribs. And as you exhale, the waistband coming in, that's your transverse abdominals drawing in, cinching in the waist. Feel the corset coming in. That's your key abdominal muscles working. And you can do light movements, taking your arms back behind you, bringing them forward, your arms lengthening behind you and bringing them forward Paced with the breath, inhale with the arms back, touching the floor behind you or as close to, and exhale, bringing the arms forward. This is just a really nice alignment exercise, lying on the floor with the knees bent, hip width apart, feet facing forward, and taking the arms back, doing arm arcs, inhale with the arms going back, exhale with the arms coming forward. But because your head, ribs and pelvis are on the floor, you know your spine is supported, it's safe, it's aligned. And your arms are working around your rib cage rather than your rib cage moving every time your arms move. So for someone who sits a lot in a chair, that's a great realignment exercise to do on the floor two or three times a day just to feel like they're, you know, they're getting their posture back again from all that sitting. But yes, take a walk regularly and um, take up a Pilates class. If you can try to find something online, um, try to find something there's YouTube videos, there's all sorts. Go for a beginner's one. Go for something simple. Don't think, oh, I want to go straight for intermediate or I'm really sporty. Let me go straight to advanced because the, the beginner's class is absolutely brilliant because they really teach you what you should be looking for. And often we, we miss those uh, those subtle details for movement. I want to leave you with uh, with an amazing thought that just keeps going through my mind whenever I exercise. And I think, you know, about the time that um, man was created and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put breath within Adam alayhi salam. And there was the breath, you know, in our in our lineage, it's the breath 
that uh, that first came and uh, when a baby is born it's the breath that says you know I'm here and for us we often forget to breathe we're we're so pent up our shoulders are up round our ears we're stressed out and uh, we're hyperventilating shallow breathing shoulder breathing and we forget to deep breathe but all good movement comes from breath and once we can understand that and start to incorporate that into our life good movement follows and inshallah you will find that you're moving um, more comfortably and uh, effortlessly and inshallah um, enjoying finding uh, your way forward in whatever form of uh, sport or movement interests you thank you so much Nawida. thank you yeah that was really insightful Inshallah, your tips will really help us to keep fit in Ramadan. Yeah, so if you enjoyed hearing Nawida's excellent tips, please be sure to check out her website. It's www.thepilatesheightstudio.co.uk And now, it's time to move on to our Agony on TG section. Agony on TG So our question for our Agony on TG this month is, have you got any tips for preparing for Ramadan during lockdown for those who are fasting and also for those who may be excused from fasting, e.g. sick, maybe due to COVID, etc.? Yeah, that's a really good question. So with this being our second lockdown during Ramadan, inshallah, we can prepare from the comfort of our homes. And since we know what to expect from the last Ramadan, we can really focus on bringing ourselves closer to Allah through solitude and deeper reflection than in the last Ramadan. Also, our intentions this year could potentially be even purer than pre-lockdown Ramadans, because what we do this Ramadan is hidden from the world. And so if we do good deeds, they won't be for the sake of looking good or showing off in front of people, but rather they'll be seen by our maker alone and this year ramadan can be just between us and allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if we choose to make it so the main goal of this month is taqwa taqwa is translated as god consciousness but what does taqwa look like practically for us taqwa can manifest itself in many ways and we're going to look at some of these ways that we can achieve taqwa in this podcast inshallah so the first thing to do is to make the right intention and remember to renew your intention regularly throughout the month for many of us, Ramadan has lost its spirituality and has become more of a ritual than a form of avada. And sometimes we forget that it's a time to purify our hearts and our souls from all evil. You want to avoid doing things for the sake of looking good or boasting and rather complete good deeds for the sake of Allah. The second tip is to connect with the Quran and read the Arabic and translation every day. So Ramadan is the time of year to establish and kickstart this strong relationship between you and Allah. But the Quran should be used as a book of guidance all year round. Reflecting on the words in the Quran itself is one of the many miracles Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed us with, linguistically, scientifically and stylistically. It's such a beautiful experience learning to read the Quran in its original unchained state in the Arabic language and then hearing about the meaning behind this incredible text. Yeah, we should read the Quran in Arabic, but it's also important to read it in translation in your native language also, because you can better understand the message Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is trying to convey to us. The Arabic language is so rich and detailed. For example, where there is one word in the English language, there can be multiple forms of that same word in Arabic, each with a very distinct, specific meaning. Hence, when we are reading the Quran in translation, we also need to supplement it with an understanding of the context of the time period, and also the tafsir, as well as hadith. I was also listening to a talk by Sheikh Yasser Qadi the other day, and he had this to say about it. Just a very brief note about the importance of tafsir. One of the tabi'un, Iyas ibn Mu'awiyah, he said the example of a group of people who recite the Qur'an without tafsir is like a group of people who get a letter from their king in the dark. And they have no idea how to read that letter. And the example of the one who does tafsir is like a person who brings a torch and he then reads the letter to them so that they understand what the king has told them to do. Yeah, mashallah, tabarakallah, that's a really powerful point. And uh, in, on terms of completing the Qur'an in Ramadan, so we know that there's 30 juz in the Qur'an and there's also 30 days in Ramadan. So your aim could be to just finish one juz per day. And if we divide this into the five daily salahs, that's only four pages to read of the Qur'an. So in order to finish the Qur'an by the end of the month, inshallah, you could read four pages after every prayer. And that's not so much to, to read when you think about it. Yeah, that's a really useful tip of how to complete the Qur'an. 
I also feel like some people get really caught up in the idea that they have to complete the Quran in Ramadan, but mm. it's more about connecting with it. And if you do sincere du'a to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to guide you to a specific ayah or verse that you are most in need of, and then you open up the Quran to a random page, you'll often find something really specific that resonates with you in your life. Our third tip is to pray in congregation or jamaat with your family at least once a week at home and to pray more nafils and sunnahs too. I know one of the things people are most bummed about during this lockdown is that they can't pray in the masjid for Jummah or Tarawih. But just because Allah is testing us right now with this pandemic doesn't mean that we can't still feel the benefits and barakah of praying salah together at home. So you can gather your family wherever you live and read your prayers together in congregation if that's possible. And not only will you feel stronger by doing this, you'll also feel more connected when you pray together. And you'll inshallah reap more rewards too. Prophet said the prayer in congregation is superior to the prayer performed individually by 27 degrees. And that's from Al-Bukhari and Muslim. Yeah, definitely. Try to aim to pray Jamaat at least once a week. And this is really important to replace Jummah namaz, which is often missed because of lockdown. Because imams have stated as of late that Jummah prayers have to be disbanded due to the dangers of the spreading coronavirus. Unless, of course, your local masjid has reopened, in which case you should go to Jummah namaz and follow all the social distancing rules that are in place. But while you can't pray Jummah at home, and it's not really permissible to do so through technology, you can still come together with your family and pray Zuhur Salah together. Also, according to some rulings, it is also permissible to pray Taraweeh at home. In fact, the Prophet used to pray Taraweeh in his home during Ramadan, and Sheikh Umar al-Banana gave a source on, on that. Some scholars also say that you can do this if you are a Hafiz of the Quran who is reciting from memory or by holding the Quran during the prayer, although you'd have to check with your local Imam Sheikh as there are some differences of opinion on that. We also often forget that during the time of the Sahaba they didn't have Taraweeh and it's not an obligatory prayer but it's still a good practice to take part in inshallah. Yeah, and it's of course important to fulfill our obligatory prayers first, the five daily salahs, and make sure that we perfect them inshallah. If you'd also like some advice on how to attain hushu in your prayers, please refer to episode one of our Agni Auntie G section where we answered this question. But if you're not praying your daily salah, please focus on at least getting into this habit during Ramadan and take Ramadan as an opportunity during lockdown especially to start praying so that you can get into that habit for the rest of your life, inshallah. Once you've got the basics down, inshallah, then you can add in your sunnahs and your nafils. So tip number four is to do regular astaghfar, dhikr and dua. And it also helps to make a dua list asking for guidance and also asking Allah for forgiveness. So the Prophet said, three prayers are not rejected, the prayer of a father, the prayer of a fasting person, and the prayer of a traveller. And this is from Al-Bayhaqi, classified as Sahih by Al-Albani. Instead of sitting down and making dua at this precious time of iftar, some people forego this beautiful chance and are often too busy frying some samosa, talking, setting the food, filling their plates and glasses as well. You've probably heard this a hundred times, but this is the month of forgiveness. Please, please, please use this to your advantage because it's certainly a mercy from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He is Ar-Rahim, the most merciful, and Al-Kafar, the most forgiving. So call upon him using his names. And anyone who walks a step closer to Allah, Allah will come running. Don't ever think that for a second that you are too sinful to ask for forgiveness because that is simply what shaitan wishes from you. In fact, there's a really good example that demonstrates this. If you get pricked by a fawn bush, you don't suddenly want to lash out and get angry and get pricked by all of the fawns, do you? No, you simply carefully remove the fawn. You need to evaluate what movements you took that led you to getting pricked in the first place so that you don't get pricked again. We need to apply this analogy to our sins. So just because you might have fallen into a sin once doesn't mean that you should just give up and therefore try every sin. Similarly, it would be foolish to get pricked by the same sin twice. It's also impossible to get through this path without being pricked. At least once this will happen. But the wise person will learn from their mistakes. And it's therefore not a sin that separates the worst from the best, but rather it's how one chooses to react once they've been stung. Mm. And that's just a really great reminder because anyone is ever feeling unworthy of forgiveness, that's definitely not the case. Allah has chosen you to be Muslim for a reason. Even if you cannot see it in yourself, 
and you don't believe in your own self-worth, know that Allah has already given it to you the moment you were born. Tip number five is to give charity generously, even if it's as little as one pound every day. You'll reap more rewards, inshallah, if you spread your, your giving out throughout the month of Ramadan, because that way you'll earn sawab on every day you give. And there's lots of ways of giving. You can give manually by collecting change in a jar, ticking off days to make sure you do it every day. Or you could do it automatically through online services, such as LaunchGood, who've launched a fantastic new service called the Ramadan Challenge in the last year. And there's a new one probably this year. And it will allow you to send money to a variety of different causes through an automated system, which sends a specific amount of money to your chosen causes every day. It's really easy and simple to use. It allows you to portion out your charity across the whole month, inshallah. So if you sign up for it there, then there'll also be special features that you can ask for, such as them sending you free daily reminders through text messages. There's also Islam Channel Giving and My 10 Nights, which provide a similar service to Launch Good, but specifically designed for the last 10 days so you can catch the most reward during Layla Ghadar, inshallah. Remember that the Prophet said that the most beloved of deeds to Allah are those that are most consistent, even if it is small. And that's collected by Bukhari and Muslim. Also, give generously in charity because Allah specifically says in the Quran that whatever you spend in the path of Allah shall be repaid to you in full, and in no way shall you be at loss. There are all sorts of forms of charity, so try to amplify your good sadaqa deeds in Ramadan. Don't forget to do your Zagat al-Fitr and that can be done anytime before Eid prayer. Our next tip is to learn more about Islam through interactive, engaging content such as online classes, videos and apps. For Tafsir, there is Quran Weekly's Gems from the Quran series which is delivered by Numan Ali Khan and it's a fantastic addition to Ramadan every single year. So he takes short ayahs from every juz and he shares a reflection on it in a short video and this is really awesome to watch alongside each day because if you're aiming to finish one juice per day, that's all of the juices in Ramadan. For Tajweed and Qirat, we have actually recently discovered a YouTube channel called Quran Revolution, which is a project that stems from Al Maghrib Institute, and it provides practical steps to improving your Qirat, and it actually gives great motivating advice too. The app also provides an interactive textbook to help you with your Tajweed and gives you assessments to check your progress, weekly live sessions, office hours, and much more. For memorization, the Quranic app is fantastic for helping busy people learn Arabic words straight from the Quran in a digestible, bite-sized daily dose. So the app works by using words in the Quran that have been repeated often, and by learning these few words, you can easily understand the whole Quran, inshallah. The app has a Quizlet-style interface, which makes it easy and fun to learn from, and it's also filled with beautiful illustrations and Islamic artwork. You can even get points for inviting your friends and challenge each other to get better high scores, inshallah. You can download it from the app store. For general reminders, we really recommend the YouTube channel called Free Quran Education. We've mentioned it in our first podcast. It provides short and easy to understand content in an illustrative and engaging format. They have produced lectures from the likes of Numan Ali Khan, Mufti Meng, Omar Suleiman, Yasser Qadi, Abdul Nasser, Yasmin Mujahid, and much more. MashaAllah, Tabarakallah. They've also translated a lot of their content into different languages too to make the Quran and Islam comprehensible to everyone. They also are in the process of making a cartoon series for young kids. So if you have any younger siblings, please do direct them to this amazing content, inshallah. May Allah reward all of these amazing organisations, put barakah in them and increase the impact of their good work to make a long-lasting difference in the world and as a sadaqa jaya. Ameen. Ameen. This links quite nicely onto our next points, which is to refrain from distractions and wasting your time by replacing pointless entertainment with beneficial entertainment. So music, for example, is something that's unbeneficial because the instruments that are used are haram and a lot of the lyrics used today are often really bad. So this can easily be replaced with the Quran or with good halal nasheed, which are vocals only. We really love listening to Mahir Zain, Syed, Ramzan and more. TV, Netflix and films are another example of this. While it really does depend on what exactly you've been watching, there are a lot of bad things on our screens nowadays and so it's better to replace that with good content. So instead of watching un Islamic shows, try watching Islamic ones. The Umar series is a fantastic one, definitely recommend watching. Maybe not in Ramadan because in Ramadan we should try and stay away from wasting our time completely so it's better to watch lectures instead of films during this month. But if we're trying to make a transition to more Islamic content, that's a good way to go. 
yeah it's really important that we should try and spend every moment possible in ramadan to worship allah and make the most of this blessed month and we don't want to be in a position where we waste our day playing video games or worse watching tv if we make a mistake commit a sin try and follow it up with a good deed this includes controlling your tongue and your emotions. Try not to get angry or use foul words. Let's all try and work on this by not getting into arguments with people and not letting our emotions get the best of us, inshallah. We don't want to be in the situation where we're fasting, but we're not quite giving up lying, cursing, fighting, backbiting, etc. We have to realise that the purpose of fasting is not to stay away from food and drink, but the aim behind it is to fear Allah and to increase our taqwa. And that's why a major part of Ramadan is just being charitable to others and controlling oneself. And that means biting your tongue, counting to ten if you're having a hard day. And if someone is out to give you a bad time, you have to just be patient with that. I'm actually very grateful that lockdown has given so many more people the time to slow down and escape the busy rat race of life and chasing materialism and, and it instead it's given people the chance to reflect on their bigger life purpose. Take the time in Ramadan to really reflect. In our religion, Islam, Allah gives us one life purpose from the moment we are born and it's to pass the test of life and to earn Jannah by following practical steps in our religion prescribed to us. The five daily prayers, charity, hajj, belief, fasting, etc. And if we follow these practical steps along with the ones that laid out for us in the Quran, we have certainty that inshallah Allah will reward us for it. So it's important to spend some quality time alone with Allah this Ramadan and it's really easy to get overwhelmed by life and forget that this month is essentially about renewing one's personal connection with God. For example, before Fajr and while you're having your suhoor or seri, it's a really good idea to make dua at this time because it's a hajjah time and this is a great place to make dua and have a personal connection with Allah. Be grateful that you've lived to see another month of Ramadan, alhamdulillah, and that you can potentially reap the benefits from it, inshallah. May Allah bless us all in this holy month and for many years to come. Ameen. Ameen. And finally, the last tip is to focus on seeking the night of power or Laylatul Qadr. This is a night in Ramadan that's considered better than a thousand months by the virtue and blessings that descend in it. So it's important to seek the night of power in the last 10 days of the month of Ramadan. And a lot of people waste their entire last days preparing for Eid and shopping, etc. It's important to not do that. It's better to focus on Ibadah, on Laylatul Qadr. And the Prophet used to strive the most during the last 10 days of Ramadan in worship and this is important for us because whatever you need for Eid, for example, you could gain before Ramadan. So you can utilize your time the most and the best in Ramadan. So some of the signs of Laylatul Qadr include that within the last 10 days of Ramadan, it would occur on one of the odd nights. We don't know which day it is for certain, but the 27th is considered a very likely day. But we know from Hadith that the morning after Laylatul Qadr, the sunrise is completely rayless, much like a disc in the sky. So inshallah, the best thing to do is to stay up and worship all of the last 10 nights in Ramadan. Ramadan, but also try to work extra hard on the odd nights to catch the blessings of the Gadar. And that concludes all of our tips for preparing for Ramadan. These are all reminders for ourselves before anyone else. So we're all going to try and act on them and implement them in our Ramadan to the best of our abilities, inshallah. Hey, you know what is one easy way to reap the rewards in Ramadan? That is super, super easy and will literally take you five seconds and you can do it right now. Share this podcast with your friends and family. Not only will they benefit by this, but then you'll also gain the rewards for sharing it if they follow any of these tips, inshallah. So please pay it forward and take part in spreading the reward, inshallah, whilst helping your fellow Muslims. Yeah, because sharing is caring. And now, as our podcast is drawing to a close, we want to leave you with our hadith of the month. So Rasulullah has said about the plague or virus that it was a punishment sent by Allah on whom he wished. And Allah has also made it a source of mercy for the believers. In the time of an epidemic, plague, if somebody stays in his country, patiently hoping for Allah's reward and believing that nothing will befall him except what Allah has written for him, he will get the reward of a martyr. And that's from Saif Bahari. So the four conditions of this hadith is that one must reside in a land afflicted by a plague. They would also need to remain patient against this test. They would have to hope for reward from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And finally, they should know that nothing will befall them except what Allah has decreed. So this shows, subhanAllah, if we can remain patient and hope for reward during this coronavirus, then inshallah we'll be at an elevated status of a martyr, inshallah. And now it's time for our riddle. What is haram, but when swallowed, is loved by Allah?
Mm. It's a good one. So stay tuned for our next podcast to hear the answer to that riddle. And just as an announcement, we would like to tell you that for the next month, we will be taking a short break for Ramadan, but we will resume afterwards, inshallah. And since you won't hear from us till then, from both of us here at Muslim Medium, Ramadan Mubarak! We hope you have a lovely Ramadan, inshallah. And may it be filled with lots of blessings and barakah. Ameen. Ameen. That's all from us for now. We hope you enjoyed. Assalamu alaikum. Thank you.